The more you and I walk with God, being attentive to his voice, being in scripture, and you listen to his voice, he's going to shape you and mold you and use you in ways that you never imagined. You are listening to CCF Runthrough, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening. As we look at winning the war within, right, the battle is real. We know we have freedom, as Pastor Ricky shared. But how do we win this war? Where is the power? It's not me. Say it with me. It's not me, but Christ in me. And we're going to look at three main ideas in Romans chapter 8. Number one, we got to fight sin with the power of God's grace. Number two, we got to fight sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number three, we got to fight sin with the power of our new identity in Christ. What do we mean by fighting sin with the power of God's grace? Let's all stand up and let's all read this together. This is our memory verse. Let's stand up. Let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Let's go. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Let's clap. Praise God. There is no condemnation. If you go back to the original language, that word con condemn is from this word katakrina, krima, which is a legal decision of guilty with a punishment. It's not just saying that's a bad thing. Without Christ, we are condemned. We are guilty. You guys can take your seats. <laughs> you were standing up. Take your seats. Because I want you to, 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 to follow closely here. What are we condemned of? What are we guilty of? How do we comprehend this? Do you guys remember in 1994? Who was alive in 1994? Some of you were not alive in 1994. But do you remember this lady, Sarah Balabagan? Yes, of course, right? For those of you who were alive. Who was she? She was 14 years old when she went overseas. She was approached sexually by her employer. She defended herself. She ended up killing her employer. And she was tried. She had two trials. On the second trial, she was convicted of what? Murder. There was a legal decision. And she was given a sentence. What's the sentence? Death sentence by firing squad. There was a punishment. How would you feel if you were Sarah and you were in another country, you were in jail, and that was your condemnation? It would be very hopeless and very bleak. Do you agree? There's no way out of it. How are you going to get out of that? Do you know, apart from Christ, we are much worse off than Sarah Balabagan was, right? Without Christ, we are condemned of our sin, right? There is a legal decision against us. When we're judged, we will be sentenced to eternal death. Not temporary death, but eternal death. Eternal separation from God. But what happened? What happened in Sarah's story? 
Who intervened? Our Philippine government intervened, remember? They intervened and they were able to bring her home. The sentence was changed. She, was, she wasn't killed. And everybody celebrated that. She was saved. In your case, in my case, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are who? In Christ Jesus. Who intervened? Not the Philippine government, but God himself. God sent himself, Jesus Christ, to take our place on the cross. Our first point is we got to fight sin by the grace of God. You have to understand that God's grace gives us freedom from the legal condemnation of sin. There is no condemnation. You may feel condemned, right? And you will hear voices of condemnation. Satan loves to condemn you. But you have to remind yourself, I am not condemned. Jesus has paid the price, and we'll see it. We'll see what that looks like. Let's keep reading. For the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus has set you free from what? The law of sin and death. What do you see here? You see two laws, right? What's the first law? The law of the Spirit of life. What's the second law? The law of sin and death. Which one took precedent over the other? The law, of the, the law of the spirit of life has what? Set you free. The law of sin is, <sighs> I'm going to fall into pornography again and again and again. I'm going to keep sinning. That's the law of sin. The law of death is, because of that, because of sin, I'm sentenced for eternal destruction. I am sentenced to hell. There's a consequence. The law of the Spirit is greater than that. That's why there's no condemnation. Because not only does God's grace set you free, it gives you the freedom from the actual power of sin. Let me rephrase that. God's grace is great enough to forgive you, but there are consequences. You are not set free from your consequences, right? There are consequences to, to sinning against God. But there is no more condemnation. He's paid for it. He's paid for the penalty. You're set free from the penalty, the eternal penalty of your sin. And you're set free from the actual power of sin. Why? What happened? Look at Romans chapter 8. It's an amazing chapter. It reads, read, for what the law could not do, right? Weak as it was through the flesh, because on our own, we can't keep the law, right? If you, if you kept the law perfectly, then yeah. There's no consequence for you. There, I mean, there's no punishment. There's no judgment for you. But we can't. But God, read this with me, God did. What did he do? Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Who took the penalty? Jesus did. He sent his own son. In the likeness, he took the body of a human being, right? And he, God did it by what? By condemning sin in the flesh. So, is there any condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus? No. No condemnation. And you need to understand that. You need to drill that into your mind. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, you are made right in the eyes of God. 
you'd stand before him. No fear, no condemnation. And the rest of the chapter is super exciting. Look what it says here. We were saved, right? Justification, no condemnation. You were saved so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So God also wants us, God wants to continue to work in us. There is this idea that, you know, once you're saved, that's it. Everything else, you know, you, you, you coast. No. Once you're saved, that's the beginning of you becoming more and more like who? Like Jesus Christ. Now you have the power to do it. What is the requirement of the law? If you look at Romans chapter 13, he says the requirement of the law is to love. Love God, love others. And we can't even do that on our own strength. But God gives us the power. We do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we've heard the word spirit. Now I want to introduce you once again to who is this spirit. What's our first point? Fight sin with the power of God's grace. You understand God's grace, right? He did it all. It's a higher law. You're set, you're set free from the penalty of sin. You're set free from the power of sin. You don't have to sin. Now, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? We have to fight sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Let's read John chapter 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is amazing, right? God is saying, he was telling his disciples, this is God, Jesus speaking, when I leave, I'm going to give you another helper. And he is called the spirit of truth. It's the Holy Spirit, right? He will be with you. Not only will he be with you, look. He abides with you and will be what? In you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This for me is one of the greatest promises of God. That he has given us his Holy Spirit. You may understand what justification is, right? I'm saved by faith in Christ alone. But do you understand who the Holy Spirit is? and what he does in your life? Well, that's my prayer for us today. As you guys sit down, we will understand who is this Holy Spirit? How does he help us? How does he give us the power to have victory over sin? Let's keep reading. Paul now talks about two kinds of people. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. What's the first kind of person? According to the flesh. The second kind of person, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Two kinds of people in, the, in, this, in this room. There are two kinds of people in this world. Those who are according to the flesh, they don't have Christ. And those who are according to the Spirit. And we're going to look at what is the difference between these two people because it helps us understand who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our life. So the mind set on the flesh is what? Is death. 
when you read the word mind, right, mindset, I want you to think of a mind that is set is a mind that prefers, and I got this from John Piper, is a mind that inclines, a mind that enjoys, a mind that dwells on, a mind that is given over to whatever it sets its mind to. So the mind that is set on the flesh, you prefer the flesh, you prefer you are given over to the flesh, is what? Is death. When you don't have Christ, the power of death reigns over you. The power of sin reigns over you. Remember, this is the, talking about the mind that is set on the flesh. But a mind that is set on the spirit is what? Is life and peace. And you will see as we read, the mind set on the spirit is because the spirit of God is in you. And when the spirit of God is in you, then the power of the Holy Spirit, which gives life, which gives peace, is what rules. So the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. You see that here. Verse 7, because the mind set on the flesh is what? Hostile towards God. The mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. If your mind is set on the spirit, you love God. Not only is it hostile to God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. So the mind that is set on the flesh, if you are according to the flesh, you do not like to be told what to do, especially when God tells you to do something. There is a rebellion, a rebellious attitude in your heart. If you are in Christ, your mind set on the spirit, you submit to, you submit to and obey God's law. Let's keep reading. Why do we not subject ourselves to the law of God if you're in the flesh? It's because you can't even do it. It says there in verse 7, it says, for it is not even able to do so. You can't do it. But if you're in Christ, you're free to obey. Verse 8, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the spirit pleases God. And look at verse 9. This is crucial. Let's read this together now. However, you are not, together, you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. I love this verse because this also shows you that the Holy Spirit is like the seal of promise that you, it, you belong to Christ, right? Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? If you have Christ in you, Jesus says, I give you my spirit. And if you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So back to this chart here. Although this describes the flesh, right? If the spirit of God in, is in you, this is who you are. Now the question, do you belong to God or do you not belong to God? The answer to that is, is the spirit of God in you? If the spirit of God is in you, you surely belong to him. So what does it mean to fight sin by the power of the Holy Spirit? Galatians chapter 5 says, walk by the Spirit and you will what? Not carry out the desires of the flesh. How many of you here play golf or you know the game? What is this? It's a golf club, right? If I put this golf club on with this glove, all of a sudden this glove, is it alive? 
Yeah, it's not. If I put it on right now, it will follow what I do. Because who's controlling the glove? I am. My hand is, right? In our life, the body talks about how we are a temple, right, of the Holy Spirit. You are, we are being controlled by someone, by something all the time. It's either your sinful flesh who's controlling you, right? Could be Satan who's controlling you. But the Christian life, if you're in Christ, the Bible says you are to walk by the Spirit. You are to allow the Holy Spirit to control you. One of the just beautiful things of being with people who love God and growing together, we have really honest conversations. And one of our disciples was, was, was saying, you know, I, I know that I'm, I know I, I've been a challenging wife. And she has a relationship with God, okay? And she says, I, I hear the Holy Spirit telling me to do certain things. And this week, I heard him telling me to ask my husband how his day went or how is he doing. So she went ahead and listened to the Holy Spirit, and she asked him. Do you know the husband said that was the highlight of his week, was that his wife asked him how he was doing. You see, when you give your life to Christ, sometimes you wait when am I going to be baptized in the Spirit? Is there such a thing, being baptized in the Spirit? If you read the book of Romans, it says if you're in Christ, the Spirit of God is in you. You have the Holy Spirit. The question is, do we know, do we recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit? You remember when God spoke to Elijah? It wasn't in the thunder, in the strong storm. It was in a quiet, still voice. The more you and I walk with God, being attentive to His voice, being in Scripture, because how will you know what, what, what God wants you to do if you, don't, if, you don't even know, if you don't even know Scripture? And you listen to His voice, He's going to shape you and mold you and use you in ways that you never imagined. Five years from now, you'll look back in your life and you'll be like, wow, I don't even recognize who that person was. Because one of the greatest joys of the Christian life is being able to allow God to transform you and to shape you. And I love, this, I love this part. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, physical body, we live in a broken world, 100%, 100% as of today, right? A hundred years from now, all of us will be what? Physically dead. As of today, right? They haven't invented something to somehow extend your life. And that's part of living in a broken world. The body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What does this verse talk about? If the spirit of God dwells in you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I have a dear friend who's dying of cancer. And it's, it's tough for all of us friends. And it's almost like, Lord, are you going to heal her or are you not going to heal her? You know, when you are in Christ, the sickness, the sorrow of 
the physical body wearing away, it's a reality. But you can hold on to this promise that one day, your body, it's going to be a glorified body. Until that day, we're going to struggle with sin. But this battle is real. But we have the power to have victory in Christ because of the Holy Spirit. Learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and follow him. So then, brethren, because if Jesus dwells in you, right, the Spirit dwells in you, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. You'd almost think that he would continue and say you're, ob you're under obligation to the, to, the, to the Spirit. It's implied. He doesn't say it. But look at what he says. If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You know, if you are in Christ, this, if you are living according to the flesh, that means, remember we looked at the two, the two charts? This is a person who doesn't have a relationship with Christ. Jesus is not in you. Of course, you will surely die. But if you are in Christ, the person on the right, if you are in Christ, what will you be doing? And this is what I want you to understand. As I meditated on this Romans chapter 8, this is one of the things that God was doing in my life. Helping me to understand what this means. If by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Do you follow with me, Kinao? If by the Spirit, so where does the power come from? The Spirit. What's the next word? You, right? You are putting to death. Is there something that you have to do? Yes. It's by the Spirit, but you are putting to death. What are you putting to death? The deeds of the body you will live. My wife's father, um, amazing man, he's 70-plus years old. He's still a missionary. He goes to Africa every now and then. But when he came to know Christ, his life was, was there we go, was radically transformed. But there were certain things that took some time. One of the things was he struggled with smoking. He got into a lot of stuff, all the stuff he got into it. But smoking was one of the things that was taking some time to transform. And he, he was, uh, Jenny was reminding me the story that her dad was telling her, that, uh, telling us, as he was driving to the um, convenience store, his prayer was like, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me to not smoke, help me not smoke. But he's going there because he's going to buy a pack of cigarettes, okay? But he's telling himself, help me not to smoke. And then he buys a pack of cigarettes, right? Lord, help me not to smoke. Help me not to smoke. And he goes back into the car. And then he opens a pack of cigarettes and he puts it on his pocket. Lord, help me not to smoke. Help me not to smoke. And then before he knows it, he's smoking. And he's like, ah, oh, and he throws away the whole pack. You struggling with immorality? Lord, help me not to look at porn. Help me not to look at porn. You have your cell phone with you at night, by yourself, in your bed, in your room. It's the same thing, right? You got to put to death the deeds of the flesh. The tricky things is the things that are underneath all of that. What do I mean? The older I get as a Christian, and I like how um, it was said two weeks ago when, when my brother said, the closer you become to Christ, the more wretched you see yourself for who you really are. As I look at my own life and I'm like, why do I get irritated, right? What's going on in my life? What is the underlying issue that I have? What is this flesh that I need to put to death? 
And quite frankly, it's not very pretty, if I'm honest. Like, there's this flesh in me. I was on the way to Subic. This was during the pandemic. And, you know, there were some restrictions at the time. So we get to the checkpoint. I'm with my family. And the, the person asked me, where'd you come from? I was squeezed. I was put in a position, right? Situation. How do you know what's inside the toothpaste? Squeeze it. When you squeeze it, what's inside comes out. How do you know what's in your heart? How do you know what, what is the issue you're dealing with? When you're squeezed, what happens? So I told them, Clark. I came from Clark. I came from Quezon City. I passed by Clark, right? I was justifying in my mind a white lie, which is no such thing. It's a lie. A half-truth is not true. And why did I, as I thought about it, my kids all said, Dad, why did, you, why did you lie? I said, why did I lie? What is the issue? You know what the issue is? I like control. I don't like being told I can't go somewhere or can't do something. And in my mind, if I told them I came from Quezon City, they would send me back. And I didn't want to have to deal with that. I like control. When I ask people to do something and they don't do it, it upsets me because I feel they should have done it, right? I struggle with pride. When I'm corrected, I was asking my wife if I could use an example this morning, and she said, no, nah, I'd rather you don't use that one. And my first initial response was like, what? You're telling me what not to do? I don't like to be told what not to do. That's the flesh, right? Does not subject itself to God. Doesn't want to be told what to do. Struggles with pride. And I don't even see that most of the time. You can be in ministry and feeding your flesh. What do I mean? You know, when you speak and somebody says, oh, that was a great message. That feels good. But why are you speaking? Who, who are you speaking? Or you're, you're serving as a D-group leader and somebody says, oh, you're such a loving D-group leader. You're, you're so amazing. If you're not careful, you're actually doing things to feed your flesh. And the older you become, the more fleshly you become and you don't even realize it. So, I'm telling you, this work of sanctification, of becoming like Christ, it is the greatest privilege that God's given us on this side of eternity, aside from sharing the gospel, right? But for you to become more and more like Christ, you have the Holy Spirit to help you put to death the deeds of the flesh. But you have to recognize what are the things that are going on in my heart. And there is no condemnation, right? So you don't have to pretend. If people tell you that, hey, I think this is an issue in your life, just be humble and say, okay, thank you. And how can I improve? What are the things that I need to do? I got a long way to go. Um, our, our household, you know, my, my, my children sometimes tell me, hey, Dad, do you know that the, the house help is afraid of you? I'm like, what, really? They're like, yeah, sometimes they'll ask, are you still there? Because if you're there, they're not going to come up. I'm like, what? And, you know, I don't even realize it. But as I think about it, could I, could I be saying things in a way that, you know, trying to be manipulative and controlling. And so there, my point is this. All of us have deeds in the flesh that we need to put to death. How do you have the power to win? You fight sin with the power of our new identity in Christ. This is amazing. This is one of my favorite parts. Of course, I love who the Holy Spirit is. And even this, our new identity is the Holy Spirit um, showing us who we are. What do I mean? Let's read. Let's read together. For all 
who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Wow. All of you who are being controlled, who have Jesus in your life, you are the son, you are the daughter of God. Sometimes you wish, oh, I wish I was the daughter or the son of Bill Gates, right? That would be great. But no, you are the daughter, you are the son of God. What does that mean? For, let's keep reading. For you have not received a spirit of what? Slavery leading to fear again. Remember, sin, Satan, your flesh. It's all condemnation, fear. There's judgment. You have not received that spirit. You have not received the spirit of slavery. Right? You have what? Received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Amazing. This word, Abba, is an Aramaic word, and it's a very personal word for dad, right? Adoption. Adoption today is a beautiful thing. My friend was telling me about his own story of adoption. And if you have adopted a child, I know you have your own story. And adoption's wonderful because it's so redemptive. And his story was, there was this girl who was date-raped in college she, in the States. She was a Christian. And so the family didn't want to abort the baby. And so they were praying and praying that somebody would adopt this baby. My friend and his wife, they have three kids, but God had set in their heart this desire to adopt another child. And they were praying, and they waited for a year and a half, and still nothing had happened. But then the day came, it was a Thursday. And by Monday, Thursday, right? Waiting a year and a half, nothing. By Monday, they came home with a new daughter. They adopted this kid who was a product of date rape. And all of a sudden, this child is now growing up in a family that loves God, that wants to please him, that loves her. It's so beautiful. You know, adoption is very beautiful today. During the Roman time, it's even more amazing. During the Roman time, if you're adopted, your old debts and legal obligations were paid. Wow. Remember, no condemnation in Christ. He's paid for everything. You got a new name and was instantly heir of all the father had if you were adopted during the Roman time. Instant heir of everything. You're just the same as a, as an, as a biological kid. Your new father became instantly liable for all his actions, his debts, crimes, etc. The father assumed that. Right? You know, when Jesus died on the cross for you, he paid for all your sin, all past, present, future. A new child also had new obligations to honor and please his father. And this is the desire to please God. So our identity of God's children is twofold. One, it shows us who we are. Our behavior should reflect who we are and who we represent. Um, last story before we wrap up. And I have a surprise for you at the end. After grocery shopping, unloading the car, uh, unloading the groceries to the car, normally, because I'm in a hurry, what do I do with the cart? I put it wherever it's convenient. For me, right? right? I just put it there wherever it's convenient. But as I was thinking about, I am a child of God. Who do I represent? I represent God. 
And I have to remind myself every day when I wake up, and this is my application for you, remind yourself, you are a child of God. God is your father. You represent him. I'm going to put this back to, to where I should put it back. I'm going to make it more convenient and easier for the people who are collecting all the carts. Because that's what a child of God would do. That's what God would do. That's what Jesus would do. It gives me a picture of how I should be. But then it also gives me the assurance that our Heavenly Father is there to bring about the transformation. This is what I'm talking about. In our lives where we know when we no longer feel we can go forward. This idea of having a group identity is so powerful. Have you heard of uh, 007, James Bond? I met a young guy. Um, I'm going to extend a little bit, okay? Because uh, you need to hear this. I met a young guy recently. He said during the pandemic, he became serious with the Lord. He became serious. Like his life changed. And he joined a small group, a D group. And he said the D group has this scoring system. It's not 007, it's triple O seven. I was like, wow, what, what is this? Because we're talking about lust, pornography. How do you fight it as a young man? And this is what he said. Every week, they keep the stats. Can you see this? This is their unique D-group culture. This is our culture. You know, when I say our culture, as a follower of Christ, you have to, identi- you have to know your identity, who you represent. And for them, this is, this is what they do. Zero pornography, zero masturbation, zero sexual acts, and seven quiet times for the week. He said it was so weird when he joined the group. He's like, what? You guys do this? But can I tell you what he told me afterwards? He said this radically impacted his purity. Because there is a group accountability. There is a family. You now belong. The reason why we are different from this world is because of the Bible. Right? The Bible tells us how we're to be. We're different. Not for the sake of being different, but because God has showed us how to live. We are men and women of the book. And that is your identity. That is who you are. And that transforms you when you have a group of people that also long to be like Jesus Christ. There's strength. There's power. The Holy Spirit gives you the strength. This is our message today that God has given us the power to win. The normal Christian life is a victorious Christian life. If you are not experiencing victory, Ask yourself, why not? You have God's grace. You have God's power. You have your identity as a child of God. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for those of us that have a relationship with you. We are no longer condemned. We don't stand with fear before you, but we come to you as Abba Father. And Lord, we cry out to you. The difficulties, the challenges that we're facing in life, the struggle that we have to put to death the deeds of the flesh, we thank you that you've reminded us today that it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to overcome these struggles with sin. Thank you that you are constantly at work to transform us. Lord, help us to walk with you, to surrender our lives moment by moment. And thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for us. Lord, we are justified because of what you did on the cross. And if you're a person here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, maybe you're watching um, at home or wherever you are, the greatest decision of your life 
is the day that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's what begins everything. That's when his spirit will enter your life. So if you are that person, I want you to pray with me in your heart. Lord, I admit that I've sinned against you. I admit that I have fallen short. I'm not even capable to do what you want me to do. But I thank you that you died on the cross and you paid for all my sin. And I believe in you, Jesus. I received you. I, I invite you to come into my life to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my Master. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for setting me free from the condemnation of sin. Thank you for setting me free from the power of sin. Please now help me to become the person that you made me to be. Thank you, Lord, that in your hands, you will use our life also, Lord. And we, we commit to you the purposes that you have for us in this life, which is to know you, to make you known, and to become like you. I pray for all of us that for next week, we will be different from who we are this week because you are at work in our life. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you pick us up. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.